typically on Epiphany Sunday celebrate uh, the wise men. And there's, there's a good word for us in our scripture even today about that. Uh, but in the East, Eastern Christians for this day uh, celebrate the baptism of our Lord. So it's a good reminder to us and our forefather, that our forefather John Wesley was not a European Christian and we are not American Christians, we're world Christians. And so we not only read the best of our church mothers and fathers from the West, we read from the West and the East, uh, from the East as well. So I want to just celebrate and share in this first act of Jesus's public ministry with us and really to, to look at those events. What was first for Jesus? What were, what were the things he first taught? What were the things that Jesus first did? And what do those moments tell us about Jesus, but also what, what do they tell us about ourselves? What do they say about his kingdom work then, but what, what do they say about the kingdom work that he has gifted us to do? And so that's what we're going to do, looking at this moment when this camel hair wearing, locust eating wild man uh, baptizes Jesus in the wilderness. What do we learn from this interaction and because of time this morning I want to make sure we look at the last thing first so we're going to drop down to verse 11 because there's some wonderful things said here about the nature of Christ but also the heart of God the nature of Christ in being when when the father exclaims to him this is my son and who I am well pleased he's not just saying this is a child of mine but what we've, we've been sharing and celebrating in throughout the Christmas season that babe born at Christmas was God himself the second person of the Holy Trinity. Yes, fully man, but fully God. And so God proclaims that and we celebrate that and remember that this day that we see the nature of Christ, but we also see, we also see the heart of God for his son. It is just like God. Talk to, you read the stories of Abraham or Lot or here, or later at the Transfiguration, it's just like our God to come in a wilderness situation, maybe when we're at our wit's end, or we're in a time of struggle, we're in a time of loss, we're in a time of frustration, and it's just like God to come at just the right time and to give us a good word, a needed word. And he does that for his son, here now now if you just follow along and mark and that's kind of what we're going to do over these next several weeks except for one little time we'll jump over to john we're going to go through mark's gospel and to see what were the first things for jesus and as we go through mark's gospel guess what's next the next two verses you've got jesus not only in the wilderness considered a very pagan scary place but the verse after that he's he's confronting the devil himself and then you go to the next, next part right after that, we have his very first miracle, and it's dealing with an unclean spirit. And then you get to the next chapter, and he's having to wrestle with and deal with the scribes. And so by the end of, that was chapter 2, and by the end of chapter 3, they're basically saying, we want to destroy, that's the word, we want to destroy Jesus. That's what he's facing. Immediately, the next step is wilderness, the devil, unclean spirits, and then earthly confrontation by the Jewish leaders. And what does God say before all of that happens? In his sovereignty, but also in his goodness. You, you are mine. You are my son, and I am well pleased with you. 
It is just like God to give a word when we need it. That's not our world, and you and I know that too well. Many of us remember the story of Abraham. I think his last name was Beggs. Just a few years ago, it was reported in the news that he had said online, on this day, I will end things. You can show up in this chat room, and I will end things. The police, in doing their report after that event, said that 181 people were online to watch him. And the phrase that they saw more than any other phrase throughout that whole conversation before he did what he did was L-O-L, laughing out loud at what you're doing. He needed a timely and good word, and he got nothing. When Jesus is about to step out into spiritual warfare, earthly struggles, it's just like God to come at the right moment and to say a word that he needs to hear. And listen, this word is not just for encouragement. This word is not just to puff one up, but it's a word to bless, to help, so that you step out in ministry and act. Jesus receives that word, but it's not just staying in that word. That word causes him then in the very next word. I'm following whatever the Spirit says. I'm going to that pagan wilderness, and then we're going to confront the devil in a temptation. Then I'm going to confront unclean spirits, and then I'm going to confront these leaders who are misleading the very people of God. It's a word given to heal. Maybe you need that word today. But that word then is always to push us out into kingdom work. He doesn't just receive that word for himself, but that strength, that healing prompts Jesus to go and to serve and to be faithful. When we've got that word, things have to be different. When we've got that naming, you are a son or a daughter of God, things have to be different. I'm sure this story's not true, but it preaches, so I'm going to tell it anyway. It's never stopped a preacher, whether it's true or not. But I heard it is true. But you've heard that story of Alexander the Great about him walking amongst his ranks one day and he found one of his soldiers asleep. Now we know later in the Roman armies that's a penalty of death and it's one of the reasons we know that Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't execute anybody after they couldn't found the body because that's what you should do. Well, why didn't they execute? Because Jesus was alive. They had a reason for that. But Alexander, walking amongst his troops, found somebody asleep, stood him up, and slapped him. He says, who do you serve? I serve you. He slapped him again. Who do you serve? I serve Alexander the Great. I'm a soldier of Alexander the Great. Slapped him again. He says, you either change your title or you change your behavior. If you're going to take my name, you live differently. You act differently. This word is a word of encouragement and healing, and I hope you hear that today of the Father saying, if you need it, many of us coming through the holidays need a word. Whether something in our families, or work, or hurt, we need to hear as the Father so beautifully said to his son, before he had done anything public, before he had stepped out and done it, just, you're my son. I hope you hear that. But that word then is to cause a change in how we live. Jesus gets that word, and his next step is to follow the Spirit into the wilderness.
So that's first things first. We see something about his nature, but also we see something about the goodness of the Father's encouragement and what that ought to cause. And then coming back up to verse 9, we not only see Jesus' nature, but we see something about his character. We see his humility. As Renee has said, Jesus doesn't need this ritual, this baptism for the forgiveness of sins that, that John is performing out in the wilderness. This isn't something Jesus needs. As a matter of fact, if you go to uh, Matthew's gospel, John acknowledges that, that you don't need this baptism, that I need to be baptized by you instead. So why does Jesus do this? Jesus submits, we'll talk about it in a minute for the last point, but also he always submits to whatever is his Father's will, whatever is right, whatever is holy to fulfill righteousness. He will let nothing slide. And I love this part where Jesus submits to John. You think about that, and you know what John's going to say. You remember what he said earlier in this passage. And yet I'm going to submit to you. I wonder how many people were there. How many people are watching when Jesus, whose, whose very feet, <laughs> right, sandals, couldn't be touched by somebody like John the Baptist, even though what Jesus will say later about John the Baptist, he's the greatest ever. In relation to me, your testimony's right, John. You're not worthy to do that. And yet in front of all of these and all of heaven, I am going to defer and submit to this ritual, as Renee said rightly this morning, is for the forgiveness of sins, even though I am the only one who has been without sin, who has ever walked this earth or ever will walk this earth. He submits to that. It's a great question for us this morning. For the cause of Christ, for the gospel of Christ, to, to reveal his attitude, to reveal his heart, how is it you and I can bite our lips when he calls us to bite our lips? How is it you and I can defer when he calls us to defer? I know you may be right, and I'm not saying you, 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 you give up what's right, but we live in a culture again that bullies and pushes and stands up for themselves in, in very harsh ways. And you see Jesus here who could say, I don't need this, and yet he defers. How is that taking place in your relationships, in your parenting, in your marriage, at work? It's, it's our culture to bully. It's our culture to elevate self. And what you see Jesus here uh, do is to reveal his humility and his character. He defers. That's been the story of Christmas. This is the king of all kings, and you get a couple of teenage kids who don't even have enough money for a, a decent offering, who, who end up probably in a cave or a stable, and you get the lowliest of professions, shepherds, that's who comes in to witness this birth. It's been humility upon humility upon humility. You're about to start your public ministry. Puff up your chest, look them in the eye and say, I don't need this, and he won't do it. He submits, he defers. What a wonderful picture of a God who gives for us and ultimately in Mark 10, 45, who should have come to, to have been served says, no, I've come to serve and to give my life 
as a ransom for many, consumed not with pride, not with self, but whatever honors the Father, whatever will bless others. How does that need to be the mark of all of our activity with everybody we interact with? Not my will, not my life, but to bless God and to bless others. And then lastly, we see here, not just a picture of his nature, uh, a picture of his character, but really a picture of his identity. Uh, you see here um, his connecting with who we are. This is not a baptism that he needs. I like what one commentary said this week. He was baptized not in order to be forgiven, but to identify himself completely with humanity. This is, this is the other flip side of Christmas. He was not only fully God, but in this act, he identifies with us and reveals again that he's in it with us. He is God who also knows what it is to be tempted. He is king of kings, and yet he knows what it is to run a business, to lose a loved one, to be frustrated with people and have to just get alone because you're so tired of them. He is one of us and knows us. As Hebrew says, we have a high priest who can empathize, sympathize with our weakness. In these moments, we see his identifying with us, a Savior who truly knows us. Damien Spike Wright had just been graduated two weeks uh, from high school when his dad died. He was a new Christian, struggling with, you know, the things that new Christians struggle with, basically just wanting a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Don't want to go to hell. I want heaven. Give me Jesus. And two weeks after graduation, his world is turned upside down as his father has passed. And so in those moments, he's desperately seeking a word from God, word to questions about why, but also, God, would you just, just, just show up and speak to me and help me through this? No word immediately came. And then they had the service for his father. And the, the Lutheran pastor, he said, spoke for about 10 to 15 minutes. I didn't get a word from that. God, when will you show up and speak? And after the service in that tradition, they had a waiting line. And so all the friends and family came by uh, to speak to Damien and his immediate family. And he said, I was looking for God. And in all those words that came by, I did not hear God. But then he talked about a girl named Kimberly. And he said Kimberly approached him in the line, and she didn't say a thing. There's just tears running down her face. And so she just simply walked up and hugged Damien, embraced him for several seconds, and walked away. After she had walked away, that's when Damien recalled that the previous year she had lost her father and that she knew exactly the heartbreak that was happening in his life right then. And that's when God spoke. Somebody who knows me, knows my hurt, knows my struggle, and here they are with me in this. In his baptism, Jesus has said to us, I am with you. That which you need, I'm going to defer and take on myself, identifying with you a God who is transcendent and sovereign, who is with you. That's our, that's our call to ministry as well. Do our coworkers and friends and neighbors know we are in it with them? A high and lofty gospel we have. Great truth. Do they also know we are 
right here with them if you need me for anything. How can I serve you? How can I be the hands and feet of Christ? I am with you. We get a great revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ here. The reminder as we go through this then, if you go back to Mark 7, just those verses, our right response then is to say, there is one after me who is mightier than I. John the Baptist acknowledges that. And we come this morning uh, acknowledging that, that Jesus is the Christ, he is king. And we also acknowledge and are to reveal, as you see here in Mark, the end of Mark 1-7, our own humility to take on that attitude of Christ. And you see John say, who sandal strap, I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. You ever been to a Seventh Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist service? Listen, I've, I've fellowshiped with some of those brothers and sisters. I've been to a camp with some of those brothers and sisters. I will not attend their worship service. You know why? Because foot washing is a sacrament in that church. And I know if I go, that's going to be the Sunday that they decide to have a foot washing, right? Women go to this side of the room, men to that side of the room. Feet were unclean. A Jewish slave in this time could not be asked to wash somebody's feet, right? Unclean. And what we're going to see in John 13, you know well, is Jesus stooped down and washed. John is saying, I'm not even worthy to do what's unclean and a job nobody will do. I'm not even worthy of touching your feet. How is it that this culture, when they bump into the people of God, they bump into the people of our church family, will say, boy, that person serves. That per person just lives the life of Christ before me is not puffed up and full of themselves but is but is with me in this mark makes it clear to us and the very first thing about jesus christ and it's a reminder as we come to this meal of his nature this is god who died for us and gave his body and blood for us this is the humility of christ that he would not be served but serve us this is the identity of christ one who came to be with us and for us and so that's the invitation as we share together in this holy sacrament. The invitation is to all who love him who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. So as we share and enter into this meal, we are mindful that Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, offered up that bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given to you, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the supper, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.